You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. The leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions, and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Smitha Murthy. Smitha is the CEO of Beagle Security, an engineer by training, and with 25 years of product management experience, she is the one you want to go to when you want to keep your website and your company safe. She's also the mom of two amazing boys and a cockapoo and has been happily married for 27 years. Smitha, welcome to the show. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, we're looking forward to it. Now, tell us before we jump in, what is your fun fact of the day? Ooh, I have a good one. Okay. Uh, I love trekking in the high altitudes. Mm-hmm. Um, I am uh, planning to climb Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania oh my in September with my oh. girlfriend. So wish me good luck. I, we absolutely wish you good luck, and I expect a full report email afterwards detailing your adventures and safe return. I will not expect a postcard from the summit. But <laughs> Thank you. That's amazing. How long do you have to train for something like that? So we've been doing hikes every weekend just to try to get as high as we can in and around New Jersey and trying to lengthen the duration of the trek. So it's been fun. Like So the Sundays have pretty much been dedicated to that. Exactly how high can you get in New Jersey? Just because I'm thinking it's like August in New Jersey as opposed to snow-capped, ridiculously high summit of Kilimanjaro. We're not exactly talking apples to apples. We're not. So we can get up to about 1,800 feet in and around New Jersey. Okay. So the way you simulate a higher altitude or the effort your body needs to put in is to load up a backpack and climb with it. And since at Kilimanjaro, you will have a backpack, I'm assuming. We'll have a day pack, but not with 20-pound weights in it. <laughs> More just like a like a change of t-shirt and maybe like a jacket and your hydro pack. So just having three liters of water is important. And actually, being the Southern Hemisphere, it won't be snow-capped all the way. So it's the start of spring for them when I'll be there. So I think the beauty of this climb is you experience different terrains and different weather sure. as you get higher. And when you hopefully get to 19,341 feet, we will see some snow. I would think so. And 1,800 feet versus 19,000 feet, that's a little bit different. I'm not a math genius, but I'm going to go out on the limb and say that sounds like a little bit of a tough hike. So I wish yeah. you all the luck in the world, and we'll be on the beach wishing you well at that point. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, like they say in Swahili, they say pole pole. And what does that mean? Just slow. Just go one step at a time, and you take the next step, and then the next step, like any trek. So this is my fifth trek. Up Kilimanjaro or? No, uh, my previous ones were in the Himalayas. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, I can't wait for that postcard to come back. And really, it sounds like a good metaphor for business development overall, for leadership and career growth. Was it poly poly? Was that it? Did I say yep, that right? Yeah, poly poly. 
Pole Pole, there we go. One step at a time, slowly, slowly. And let's talk about that trek that you have taken so far that does not require active altitude adjustments other than possibly in an elevator. So give us your 30-second elevator pitch. Tell us about Beagle. Sure. Beagle Security, we're a cybersecurity company serving small and mid-sized businesses, essentially to ensure that your websites, your web applications, and any data exchange you may be doing with third parties are secure. And we do this by assuming we're different from others in the space, but we assume the role of a hacker. So we call ourselves a hacker friend for your organization. So we provide the perspective of how a hacker might be looking at compromising your website. And therefore, we protect you by giving you that perspective. Our mission has been to make sure people, all size businesses, understand the importance of continuous security testing, continuous penetration testing, and making such a solution affordable and accessible to everyone. Beautiful. Crystal clear. Now, that was clear. There are many things that are not to certain people. So what is something that you wish more people understood about your role, your company, or your industry? Sure. So in my role as CEO, my job entails not only running the business on a day-to-day basis, but I'm also the brand ambassador and spokesperson for the company. So I believe in changing perceptions by changing reality. We all know there's a lack of female CEOs across the board and more prominently in cybersecurity. So there's, there's, we could probably count the number of cybersecurity female CEOs. So I'm here to change that. And I'm also a strong believer in lift as you climb and to send the elevator we referenced to before back down once you get to the top floor. So big believer in mentorship and sponsorship, ways to pay it forward, ways to give it back. I believe my role enables me to accomplish all of that successfully. So that's how I'm looking at combating misconceptions. And I think that's really beautiful to be able to focus on not just running the company, but on giving back by paying forward and helping more of those women to rise up. And we know that there are not a lot of women in STEM leadership positions in particular. So uh, you know, kudos to you. In figuring out ways to connect, is it mentorship that is within your company, mentorship within certain organizations? What are some ways that men or women, for that matter, who want to mentor others to be more proactively able to reach out? Because it's one thing to recognize that there's a misconception, but to take an active role in changing it. And it's really not that it's a misconception in this case. It is sadly an accurate recognition that there aren't enough women leaders and minority leaders of sorts. How can people take a step forward to more proactively mentor and lift others up on that mountain. Yeah, absolutely. This is actually a topic very near and dear to my heart. I have actually actively been part of women in leadership in pretty much every company that I've been part of. In some of the companies, we had formal groups for VP and higher women. In other companies, it was a little bit less formal. One of the things I'm really proud of that I've done is When I was in a company where it was only for VP or higher women, I started the only women mentoring circle. I called it a mentoring circle. Essentially, women from my business unit who really wanted to pay attention to their careers and growing their careers and learning from each other. And I deliberately called it a mentoring circle because it wasn't me telling them what to do, Mm. but through our collective learning through, we met once a month 
full lunch for an hour. So it didn't really get in the way of work. And we really talked about what they could do and what was in the way of them growing. So at the end of the year, I'm proud to say over 50% of them had promotions or role expansions. And that's great to have the collective community. I love that that model doesn't have to be a structured program, so to speak. It can just be about we're going to commit to the time we're going to commit to. And it's not even that much of a time commitment, but just that we're going to commit to each other once a month, just a lunch where we're going to address whatever topic comes up, whatever challenges people are experiencing, whatever opportunities they want help taking advantage of more successfully and just letting it be organic, but put the structure in place. Just allow it to, you can, as I love the expression, build the plane mid-flight. It's not like you need to pre-create and map out a 12-month whatever program. Let's just do it. Let's just get together and build it and let it be organic. And it sounds like it worked. It worked. And we brought allies, our male and female allies as guest speakers. I had a friend who's an executive coach. She was a guest speaker at this meeting. So everyone benefited from the collective knowledge and the collective experiences, as it were, of all the people on the circle. I love the proactive nature of that and just saying, you know what, we're just going to do it. So I want to encourage everybody else out there, stop overthinking. You know who you are, and it's most of you out there who would go, well, I can't do it because of this. It sounds like it would be too much work, too much time, too much. Nope, just do it. Pull the trigger, give it a try. And you know what? If in three or four months, six months, you decide, okay, this is not working as is, regroup, redirect, put a pause. That's okay. But it's not going to go anywhere unless you try it. So just give it a shot. See what happens. I love it. Thank you for the inspiration. Now, what is a time when you allowed yourself to be emotionally vulnerable with your team and how did it impact your relationship with them moving forward? A core part of my leadership style is to bring my authentic self to work every day. Mm -hmm. And part of that, because just pretending to be someone you're not is just too exhausting and I'm getting too old to be pretending to be someone I'm not. So, you know, part of this bringing your authentic self is also to show your human side and to show that you can be vulnerable. You are vulnerable at work under different circumstances, yet show how you balance that vulnerability with still being a leader. So in one of my previous organizations, we had just acquired a very large company and there was a lot of churn in the organization, reorgs, layoffs, things were a bit chaotic. People felt like they didn't have the information they needed. They didn't know if they were next. So there was a lot of uncertainty in the team. I decided not just to address my directs, but I brought the whole team together for an all hands and essentially let every like guard down. And I said, look, we're all feeling the uncertainty, right? I know a little bit more than you probably do. I'm allowed to tell you a few things and I'm not allowed to share a few things, but there is uncertainty, but this is why some decisions are being made. And just being able to say, I understand, and we can talk about whatever's on your mind and not really like holding on to levels of communication, but rather saying we're all on the same team and we're experiencing this together, I think was powerful. The team felt like they understood better, not that they liked it, but they understood better and they felt like they could reach out at any point in time to like, you know, air their concerns, talk about their feelings, whatever. And I think I wouldn't change any of that. I think it's exactly the kind of leader I want to be. 
that transparency breeds the trust that we're looking for. And did they say anything to you? Was there any feedback that you received specifically that stands out either during or after that conversation? Yeah, they said this is the most communication we've had about what's going on. Because generally in large companies, when things like this are happening, there's a lot of shutting down of communication, very tightening of what can be said and cannot be said. And then the rumors run rampant and people's imagination takes over. So people imagine things to be far worse than they actually are. So I think just kind of saying, this is what it is. This is the timeline. And I'm here for you was, I think, what the team needed to hear. I think not everybody is necessarily a control freak. We all have our moments and our spaces, but no one wants to be out of control. No one wants to be utterly in the dark and at the mercy with whatever powers that be with no awareness of time, of outcome, of possibilities. So just to let people know whatever information you have, some information is better than no information. And it at least lets us know if we don't have control over this, at least we know what the factors are. We know what we're up against and we can prepare, whether it's financially, mentally, emotionally, or otherwise, just giving me that option can be truly confidence inspiring and at least respect inspiring. Thank you for giving me the option to work with this and empowering me as much as I can. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that applies to everyone. I mean, I want to know just as much as they did. Sure. So I think that it was that connection, just being human, yet showing leadership that change is inevitable and we have to go with it, I think was important. Yes, sounds like it. Now, what about on the other side of the fence? Tell me about a time when you needed to assert yourself powerfully. Ah, (laughs) I have a few of these. Um, Good. So, you know, I've been doing product management for a very long time. And product management for a long time was not well understood. It was either assumed to be project management or assumed to be marketing. Uh, mm. so, so this new function was not understood. So I want to make sure people who are maybe only half listening or are not familiar with that, there's a difference between product management and project management. And you were focusing on product management. Yeah, absolutely. And product management is about defining what, why, and when a product needs to be built And you get to that conclusion by looking at the market, looking at your customers, and making sure that you're building a product that meets the market's needs. And therefore, someone's willing to buy, and therefore, you'll have success with the product. So in one of my previous organizations, this was a new function that was introduced. And prior to me coming in to build this function and to grow that team, everybody on the leadership team representing the different functions, sales, marketing, professional services, they were used to going to engineering directly to say, hey, I have this particular crisis. I need this thing built or fixed or whatever. So there was no in-between. My function It was that in between because we established the product strategy and we established a product roadmap and we were in close touch with analysts. We were in close touch with the customers. So we knew when to pivot and when to stick to our guns and kind of follow the plan. So I had to assert myself powerfully yet carefully not to hurt those relationships because Winning together was important because we were all on the same team. So essentially, the way I did it is not to say, hey, you can't go to engineering without coming through me. It was more to say, hey, let's think of what you're trying to solve. 
And let's think of how we can track this so that we can show it's a win-win following the process. So essentially, it was painful. (laughs) Many didn't want to do it. So it was a lot of repetition, working with everyone. But I actually wanted to measure and say, will you get better net promoter score from Mm. customers? Because we did it this way. Will you have higher customer satisfaction ratings by doing it this way? And when I could demonstrate that we had effectively higher NPS, higher CSAT, um, I think I was able to change people's minds about how we can be effective together and actually win together by following the product management process. And were they converted? Yeah, they were like, okay, because, you know, when a services person had higher CSAT. And remind everybody, what is CSAT? Customer satisfaction. It's a measurement. And essentially, they got bigger bonuses. So oh, that's always persuasive. That's, yeah, there you go. Money talks. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. That's for sure. Now, speaking about things that are talking, let's talk about who others can talk to. Smitha, I would love to invite you to levy a 24-hour influence challenge to our audience. This is a chance for you to challenge them to take one step that they can complete within 24 hours to have more influence. How would you like to challenge our listeners today? Okay. To our listeners, my challenge for the day is think back on your life and enumerate all the events, all the people that have had an impact on you, either positive or negative, because negative experiences also mold us. And think about how that has shaped your leadership style. Now, think about whether you're actively practicing being the leader you want to be. And I believe this exercise will remind you who you are and will help you influence others more effectively in whatever you do. This is something that I went through when I was at a company offsite and hadn't actually thought about it myself to say, hey, who has shaped how I think and how I am as a leader? But it kind of goes back, you'll be surprised at what you realize about yourself. Mm. Okay, so this is A, an exercise that someone gave to you to do, and you're sharing it with us because it was so powerful in its revelations of sorts. And it's a two-parter. I think I don't want people to just do the first half because the second half is the so what. Right? That's where the metal meets the road or the rubber meets the road and the pedal meets the metal, something along those lines. Work with the uh, metaphor as you, as you will. But that, okay, number one is to list out people who throughout your life have had a big influence on you, positive and or negative, and how it has influenced your leadership style. But then to do a little bit more of an introspective retrospective, if you will, and say, when I think about my own leadership style, am I actively leading with the qualities that I have learned are good from those who have modeled what to do? And where have I done my best to not emulate those who have done something negative in the past? Where have I not allowed myself to slide into some of those negative patterns? Where have I tried to be the leader that I have learned I would like to have, regardless of who was back there? Am I, so to really take stock and say, where am I following my true path? And hmm, perhaps where do I need a little bit of uh, recalibration? Yes. Okay. I think you get two gold stars for that. That was better (laughs) than what I said. (laughs) Well, I'm glad my summary of your challenge is better than my metaphor attempt at the beginning of it. So I'm I'm working my way up there as well. Now, what is the most nervous you ever felt 
before a presentation or a speaking engagement of some sort? And what communications related lessons did you learn from that experience? This feels like yesterday, even though this was over 20 years ago. I had just started my job as a brand new product manager. It was one of my first product management roles. And they threw me in front of an audience of 500 at our user conference. Wow. To deliver a keynote about our product line. Very good for me. Paired up with a very senior engineering leader. But for the engineering leader, he was miffed because he was paired up with a junior product manager. So that's a little bit of the background because A, I was new to the job. B, I had never spoken in front of 500 plus people. Mm-hmm. Um, three, because of this mismatch in levels, I was getting a lot of pre-session negative feedback. Because remember, I said, sometimes product management is thought of as marketing. Mm. So I kept being told, oh, this is going to be marketing fluff. Nobody's going to listen to you. You'll put the audience to sleep. So I was a wreck. I was just like extremely nervous going into the session. Fast forward to the day of the keynote. I'm there on stage. I have to introduce myself. My voice shook so bad. I didn't even recognize my own voice. Mm. It was really embarrassing. But then, you know, I did something just kind of at the spur of the moment. We had actually developed a voice wizard in our product Mm. that was an innovation. So I actually queued up the wizard to actually introduce the session. So that couple of minutes that I wasn't speaking gave me enough time to just control my breathing. And then people were like, and I also realized when the wizard was on, I'm looking at the audience and everybody's there to listen to what I have to say. And they didn't really want me to fail. So I chose not to fail. And I think the wizard wowed the audience and then the rest of the session went great. And I think, you know, from this, I've learned several key lessons that have served me well throughout my career. One Knowing what you're good at and believing in yourself and believing that you know it really well, you have to prepare. There's no shortcut to preparing, but say it with conviction. And then the second thing is don't second guess yourself about the message you're conveying because that audience was there to listen to me and they wanted to learn from me. And that's why they were rooting for me to be successful. And last but not the least, you're your biggest advocate. Don't let anyone else's negative energy take away from your passion about what you have to say. Yes, there's so many great nuggets in there. And I love that you said the audience didn't want me to fail. And I think people forget that. We get up on stage and there's this immediate... So the fear of public speaking is actually not a fear of public speaking per se. It's the fear of public scrutiny, the fear of judgment, the fear of making a mistake, stripping over your whatever, and landing flat on your face or something along those lines. But we forget that the audience is there because they want value. They're, to your point, rooting for you because the better you do, the more value they get out of the experience. They don't want to sit there and go, oh, this was terrible. This was painful. This was boring. This was useless. They want to go, wow, that was interesting. And I got so much out of it. So don't sabotage yourself with that negative head talk because They are rooting for you. And I think that's so important to keep reminding ourselves, the audience wants me to succeed. The audience is rooting for me. So and to be your own biggest advocate and fan, 
lead that charge. So thank you for that reminder, Smitha. That's something that I think not enough people remember and really need to start with that head space. And yes, when in doubt, breathe. (laughs) (laughs) Take yoga. Yoga helps. Yes, yes. Do a few stretches, a few deep breaths, if nothing else, before you go. But that's great that you took that charge and that you realized people were actually excited to watch. So good for you for standing up to yourself and not letting the boss or whoever he was convince you that it was just fluff and really showing up. Did he have any feedback for you afterward? Did he give you any? Actually, he he thought everything went well because the customers actually came and spoke to both of us and said how great the new innovation was. So it worked out. Look at that. The product manager did know what she was talking about. After all, it wasn't just fluffy. Ah, so much. I just like, I can't stand the word soft skills. People talk about leadership as the quote unquote soft skills. The irony is soft skills are hard. So it may not be quantitatively measurable in a spreadsheet, like a budget or something along those lines. But yeah, we need to not downplay them as fluffy stuff. So thank you for that outlet as well. I'm done venting. All right. Tell me about a time when you really wanted to make an ask, but were afraid to do so. How did you finally pull the trigger to do it? And how did it go? I actually modeled what I saw around me. So this is an example. In one of my previous companies, there was a role that was posted that I really wanted. It was a level up from where I was at. And I thought I was the perfect candidate for it because I was doing what the role needed at a smaller scale in the role that I was in. So I was like, oh my God, this is like a shoe in I just, I should have this job. So you were technically qualified for the job. So the assumption was that you would be a good fit for this promotion because of the technical qualifications. Okay. Correct. But the level was such that there were a whole lot of checks and things that had to happen. It was an executive level. So it was my first executive position. So I looked around. I mean, there are people who apply for jobs that they kind of meet five out of the 10 requirements. I literally met 10 out of the 10 requirements. So one of the things that I did is figured out who were all the different people that would be influencing the hiring decision. And I actually boldly asked for one-on-one time with each of them just to say, hey, want to introduce myself, get to know you, sort of lay the foundation before the formal interview process. Sure. And it's something I'd never done before. It's something I saw everyone around me do all the time. And I just hadn't drummed up the courage to do it, but I did it. And people just gave me their time. They were happy to give me the one-on-one and they didn't think it was unconventional for me to ask for this. So it became apparent to me that everyone does this and I should have been always doing this. So it was, you know, all those conversations went well. Unfortunately, the role was put on hold, so I never got it. Oh, bummer. After all that. Yeah. But I think I learned something important there where I think just getting over your own inhibition or your own barrier that actually doesn't exist to just try what's the worst thing that can happen. They'll say no. Yes. Yes. And so important what you said. There are like 18 points that I want to go back and reference in this. So number one, recognition that having the technical qualifications for a job does not necessarily qualify one for that job, especially when you're going from someone who's a task executor role into a leadership role. That's only one side of the coin. So we really do need to have the rest and the importance of reaching out to those decision makers so that they get to know you. Because if you're if leading the people on the team, 
then you need to have relationships with them. And they're not going to put someone in that role if they don't know what kind of person you are other than someone who can successfully execute a task. So they need to know who you are. They need to have a relationship. They need to build rapport. Now, one-on-one is certainly a good start. But to your point, I love that you said, I should have been doing this all along. Because what do they say? The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is today. So if you should have been doing this all along, great. Well, don't kick yourself if you haven't been, but start today. Today is the day that you plant the tree. So the seeds of that relationship and build that rapport, get to know people. That all does matter. Being the technical expert is not enough. And it looks like you have climbed that ladder just fine, even though that particular position got moved ahead. But I bet those relationships were really helpful moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. So important. So important. All right, Smitha, I wish we had more time to dig into all of this stuff. But for those who want to learn more about you and Beagle Security, how can people learn more? www.beaglesecurity.com. You can get a product tour. It's all right there. Please feel free to go check out our company, our product. And I hope more of you adopt it. We have a free trial. Feel free to sign up. You can find out more about me on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'm sorry, X, (laughs) since it's no longer Twitter. Uh, you can find me on both of those social media sites. And we'll, of course, put all those links in the show notes so people can find it nice and easily. And we hope that as they reach out to you, they let us know that they met you here first. So everybody, please remember to tell Smitha why you're reaching out to her at that point for more of those great wisdom nuggets. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Smitha. Thank you so much, Laura. It's been absolutely wonderful chatting with you. And thank you for having me on the show. Our pleasure. And to everybody else out there, as always, thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe if this is your first time so that you never miss an episode. And of course, don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and all your platforms of choice so that we can help even more people to increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.